Welcome to a Holy Mess podcast with His Holy Mess, Father Paul. Welcome back for episode two. I am beyond grateful to be here again in the studio here with Dave Sturcio. Dave, thanks for welcoming me back here. Absolutely. Great, great positive responses after that uh, episode one, man. I've heard a lot of good things so far. Uh, I'm very grateful for the positive responses, and I got to be honest, I've gotten a lot of positive responses with you so far. People loved you, thought you were so great, professional, loved the questions, and uh, felt like you had like a real voice for this. So you know, so I was yeah, like, I might I might have dabbled a little yeah, bit over have, the, the course how, of my life. How long have you been in the business now? Uh, in broadcast media, sixteen years. Sixteen. All right, yeah. I probably should listen to you more. All right, <laughs> so I <laughs> no worries. So, uh, yeah, Lewis, I'm really excited today. Uh, I'm going to tell a story uh, that kind of um, not concludes my story from last week, but the thing that I'm most excited about that we're going to get into a little bit is that I have my very first interview today. Uh, I ha- I'm interviewing uh, a Catholic woman who is a wife and a mother, a mother of 10 children, two in heaven, so eight uh, still here with us, two in heaven, but a mother of 10, uh, Karen Polano, and we're going to hear her story. We're going to hear how tragedy struck, not once but twice, but how uh, God truly um, held her tight and and how her family has gotten through that and is doing today. And that's what this is all about. This is a podcast for holy messes. We do not live in a clean-cut, perfect world. And I think that this is... um, a great way uh, to get started. Now, some of you uh, said that you really liked that I told my story and uh, that you could relate to it and you felt that um, you didn't even know some of those things. And some of you were wondering, well, well, but what happened after that? I mean, you didn't even talk about like why you ended up becoming a priest. And not that I'm going to share that whole story right now, but I, w- I will share one story with you, okay? So last week we ended off uh, when... I was going through that agoraphobic stage and depression, and I was in the, crew, the, the the church in Garfield. I was with Padre Pio statue. I was with the cross, and I said, Jesus, if you get me through this most horrific moment in my life, I'll dedicate my life to helping your children. I didn't know what that meant. I thought it was going to be a therapist, a psychologist, but here's what ended up happening, okay? So a couple years later, 2004, I go on a a retreat one weekend and I give my life to Christ. I say, Lord, I am done doing things my way. I give myself to you. So this guy named Justin Vitika, and we'll get him in for an an interview, changed my life forever. I already talked about him last week. I started going to daily mass with him. All right, now I'm going to be kind of fast forwarding this a little bit, but all of a sudden I'm at this mass and the priest is preaching and I hear this voice in my head that says, it'd be pretty cool to become a Catholic priest. And right away I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't, and I'm like, what are you? And I knew it was God saying that to me, but you know, I had just met this really great, beautiful Catholic Christian woman. I had never really been in a Catholic relationship, whatever that meant. And I'm like, God, I don't have any interest whatsoever in becoming a priest. Like I want to get married one day. And, um, he ended up winning the fight, as you could see now. But so I ended up meeting the girl of my dreams. I thought she was the girl of my dreams. And, but I felt this call that God wanted me to at least give this a shot, Dave. 
And I was really confused because I told God that I would give him everything. I said, you, I'm yours. And I feel like he's starting to talk to me about the priesthood a little bit. And yet there's this girl in my life now that I really want to date and maybe one day get married. And here's the thing, like I was driving and I said to God, I'm like, listen, God, if you want me to become married, then you're going to have to put that desire. I'm sorry. If you want me to become a priest, then you're going to have to put that desire in my heart because I don't have that desire. So if you, God, want me to become a priest, then put that desire in my heart because right now I desire to get married. Okay. And not that this girl was the end all be all or anything like that. And I'm sure people are going to have questions about, you know, why priests can't get married. And that could be like a whole other episode because I mean, that's a a huge question that anybody would have. Why would anybody want to, you know, not get married? Okay. So I promise you, we will get into that. I can give you plenty of reasons why. Of why? (laughs) (laughs) Because you're married. Oh yeah. I love my wife. I just, she's a, she's a gem. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. You got uh, two children with her, right? Yes, yes. Beautiful. How old are they? Uh, my little girl is three, and my little guy is about to be one in two weeks. One in two weeks. Yeah, man. Also, yeah, I heard, uh, I saw that uh, your three-year-old made you cry the other day. Oh, she's she's a mess. Uh, she, she's, you talk about a holy she's a mess. Holy mess? <laughs> she's uh, And you know what's fo- so funny? And I have to tell this brief briefly. Um, so she goes on walks a lot with my mother-in-law, right? And they pass a the Catholic church that's in my town. I've been to this Catholic church on my own accord twice on 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 weeks where I felt like, you know what, I, I have to. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those like I have to go because of the week I've had. And maybe if I just ask them a couple times nicely, things will start turning around. That was no, no rather here nor there. But when... Um, when my my daughter goes on these walks with my mother in law, she uh, she stops at the church, and she says hello to Big Mary, Big Mary, Big Mary, Big Mary, which is Mary. That's there's a statue of Mary. She calls her Big Mary, and I and she waves to her every time. She says, "Hey, Big Mary." Yeah, so it is a, a funny inside joke between me and my daughter that she calls uh, Mary uh, Big Mary. That's awesome. So, yeah, so. Well, she is. She's she's a, our big mama. <laughs> um, and I don't know. Maybe you. I mean, did you ever wonder like why would somebody not get married like why would a priest choose to not do that like is that something that maybe um yeah i mean honestly i i would say it's 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 definitely a way of life so if maybe on a instance where uh, an individual a male strikes out a million times over and says you know what maybe the same for me you know and and then turns to priesthood or turns to an, an alternate i don't know whatever um but i've never really that that's the, that is the one part of it that i was just like kind of curious like well, like, doesn't everybody want to kind of leave a legacy and start a family? Isn't that, isn't that the way it's yeah. supposed to be? Um, so, yeah, it's just your story to that. Um, obviously, you're telling it now, but it, it, there was a, a higher power of sorts to say, you know what, this is what I think you should be doing right now. And maybe I guess you're uh, about to tell the masses that, you know, that he did put that that passion in your heart. And I don't know, you tell the story. Yeah, the You're design. telling the story better than me. So well, obviously. we're going to get into it because the whole celibacy thing is a, is an episode for itself. But my, the point of what I want to say here is that like, <clears throat> I was confused and I didn't know what to do. And I had a lot of, I trust me. I did not become a priest because I don't like women. Like mm-hmm. I very much did. I dated my whole life, wanted to get married. I just thought that that's what you did. I didn't realize that marriage is not the end all be all, that marriage is one vocation and that marriage is a great vocation and that marriage is a vocation that that most people are called to. 
but not everyone. Because see, I didn't realize that marriage is just a, a sign and a symbol of something greater, of, of God's love. If you, if you take a Bible, right? If you take one Bible and you literally open up the first couple pages of the Bible, it starts with a marriage. It starts with what we could call the earthly wedding between Adam and Eve, the very first two pages of the Bible. Then if you literally go to the very last page of the Bible, the marriage ends with the wedding, the heavenly wedding, the wedding of Christ in the church. So the Bible literally page... One or two starts with the wedding, the wedding between Adam and Eve, and the Bible ends with the wedding, the wedding of Christ in the church. That earthly wedding in the beginning in Genesis points to and symbolizes this heavenly earthly this heavenly marriage, the marriage of the Lamb that we're all called to. So in some way, every single one of us is called to marriage, but with God. Not and I, and I know that might sound like weird, like Ugh, what do you mean married to God? Like in terms of like a light, like an eternity of eternal intimacy, of eternal bliss. Like heaven has been referred to as like this eternal wedding banquet more than once. So these were questions that I just pondered and I pondered and I pondered and was back and forth. And like, there were a couple of times where, you know, I was ready to go into the seminary and then I called my priest mentor and I was like, uh, you know what? I, I don't think I'm going to go. Like, I really think I'm just going to continue to date this girl. And I'll fast forward this, uh, this story for this episode, but there's one particular part that I want to tell people about the grace of God for, uh, uh, about. So we were dating, but I was already supposed to go into the seminary and I'm not going to live no double life. I'm not going to go in the seminary and continue to date somebody. So I'm like, God, what do you want? I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm talking. I, 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 I'm, I'm crying. I don't know what, you know, I'm wrestling with it. I'm wrestling with it. I'm wrestling with it. And then one day I was really convicted I, I, and I really heard the, the God say, listen, just give me a year. Give me one year. Okay. And I ended up doing that. And I ended up going to um, uh, this pastor, uh, Monsignor Popo Kikio, who knew me better than I knew myself. I did not want to stop dating her. And in, in my, I mean, this is, might be funny, but it's the God's honest truth. I never had that end of relationship. Like whenever a relationship ended with a girl, oh, they ended with I'm me. With yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. the the I'm with you. I've been on the They broke up with me. I've been on the receiving end. Yeah, <laughs> always. So, yeah. And, and usually if it did end, it was because there was something wrong. There was nothing wrong in this. Like this was the first time I ever had to let go of someone for something else, some for um, another good. Like I don't want to say a greater good, but but for another good. So there I am, literally crying my eyes out because I. You want me to give up the girl of my dreams to go in the seminary? I was shaking. I was hysterical. And Monsignor Bocchicchio, he put one hand on my shoulder and he banged uh, his fist, uh, hit the table with his fist. And he said, my son, he said, God knows the sacrifice that you're making and he will not be outdone in generosity. I don't know exactly what that meant. You're trying to show him, God? <laughs> trying to show him up? Yeah, saying, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. more generous than you. Yeah. Uh-uh. Now watch he said, this. He, he will not. Like, he knows what's happening here. Like, he's with you, right? So... Long story short, it ended. It was hard. I, I, I said, you know, there was nothing wrong, but I, I just, I, I gotta, before I met you, I felt like God was calling me in this direction. It may not be fair to you, and I apologize, but I have to give the seminary at least one year. Five years go past, five years, and I'm at my diaconate ordination. So you are ordained a deacon before you're ordained a priest, all mm-hmm. right? So, um, and it's at the diaconate ordination where you make the promise of celibacy for, for those who are going to become a priest. 
So literally five years later, the archbishop, I'm, I'm on the altar, I'm getting ready to say yes, and he asks you a bunch of questions, and you're about to make some commitments, one of them living a life of chaste celibacy. Now, my archbishop, John Joseph Myers, he didn't know my story. He didn't know this story about this particular, the girl of my dreams. He didn't know what Monsignor Pobo Kikyo said to me in that office that one day that gave me hope. All of a sudden, during the homily at my ordination, he looks at his notes, and then he looks at all of us, and he says, my sons, God knows the sacrifice that you're making, and he will not be outdone in generosity. He said the very same words that Monsignor Bocchicchio told me when I was crying my eyes out, having to let go of the, word, the, the girl in my dreams. The same exact words. And it's not a script. It's Not the- at all. Five years later, he had no idea about that story. Wow. To me. To me, that was the Holy Spirit confirming my vocation that I was meant to be here, that he knows what he's doing. So was I in a lot of pain? Was it an absolute sacrifice? 100%. But I'll tell you what, God confirmed it, that he will not be outdone in Jodhrasi. He knows the sacrifice and he will always provide. So I'll get into the whole thing about celibacy and I'm sure this story will come up again, but I at least wanted to share that one story with you. I kind of left you hanging last week about why that I ended up eventually going to the seminary. Um, but I wanted to get that out there. I wanted to thank all of you again, uh, for the amazing feedback. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please pray for us. Please continue to listen. Um, and Without really any further ado, I'm totally excited to introduce to you Karen Polano. She lives in Syracuse, New York. She works for Hard as Nails Ministries. Uh, she is the finance manager. Uh, but most importantly, she is a, uh, a wife and a mother of 10. And why did I want her to be my very first guest? Because originally I thought, you know what? I got to try to get like a bunch of like Catholic celebrities on my podcast. And then I'm like, no, you know what? This is called the holy mess. You need to hear from ordinary people that are striving from holiness. Not that we can't ever get Catholic celebrities on here. I hope we do. I love them. Some of them have changed my life. But I I just met this woman like a week or two ago. I, I ate dinner at her house with her family, prayed a family rosary with her, heard their story, and I was like, People need to hear their stories. So the rest is going to speak for itself. I'm excited. It was a a great meeting her. And uh, now I'm grateful that all of you will get to meet her. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, This is, I'm very excited to welcome my very first guest of this podcast. This is episode two and I already have a guest and um, I have, you know what? I know your name is Karen, but how do you say Polano? Is it just Karen Polano? Karen Polano. You got it. Karen Polano. And truth be told, welcome. First of all, welcome to a Holy Mess podcast with his Holy Mess, Father Paul. Thank you for doing this, Karen. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Now, truth be told is that I don't really know you that well, but I wanted you and your husband to be my first guest. He's not able to do it today, but I just met you last weekend up in Syracuse, New York, when I was there for the 20th anniversary of the Hard as Nails Ministry celebration. And you right now work for Hard as Nails Ministry. Is that correct? Correct. Yes, I do. And I met you up there and I got to meet you and I got to meet your husband and I got to meet your children. And I was so deeply moved, one, in talking to you, also hearing a little bit of your story when you gave a speech at the, uh, at the anniversary celebration. And then by just breaking bread with you in your home with your 20,000 children. So... <laughs> <laughs> 
So why did I want you as my guest? Well, originally I'm thinking like, I got to start a podcast and podcasts, you know, they usually kind of interview celebrities, but I don't really, I don't really know many celebrities. You know what I mean? I know some Catholic celebrities, but then I realized as I was praying more about the podcast and I came up with the title, a holy mess. And that, you know, I think this is really a podcast for ordinary people that are trying to live some type of life of holiness in a very, very messy world. Not to say that you and your family are not extraordinary, but I thought what better to have than a family who is Catholic that is striving to live for holiness in this very messy world. So that's why I asked you, and I'm so grateful that you said yes. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I I mean, I, I fit the definition. Our family fits the definition of a holy mess. So would you say, would you say that uh, your house is sometimes messy? <laughs> is my house ever clean? That is the real question. So Karen, um, how many children do you have? We have 10. You have 10 living. children. Yeah. 10 children. And two? Two have gone, gone ahead. Yep. Two have died. And they're in heaven. And I hope, hope and pray. Yeah. And um, I do want to touch on that. And I know that I, I'm, first of all, I cannot even imagine to be in your shoes. Uh, as you know, I lost a brother, but losing a sibling is nowhere even in the same realm as losing a child, never mind two. So you certainly have been on some journey. Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, suffering is suffering, right? We all have, we all have a cross and by God's grace, we can pick up every day and pick it up every day and carry it. So I think that that's a reason why I want you to come on here, not to just merely share your tragedy, but to show people that tragedy can strike and it doesn't mean that you need to run away from God. In fact, people like you, from what I've known of you, run towards him. And I even heard you use the word have claimed the victory, that God mm -hmm. has claimed victory in these hor horrendous situations. So I just, I, I just want people to know your story, a little bit about you. Um, so can you, can you just tell us, first of all, just a little bit about you and who you are and a little bit about your family, please? Sure. Um, so my husband and I have been married for 28 years and, um, we were both raised Catholic, you know, cradle Catholics and been on kind of a journey to ourselves really grow in a relationship with Christ and in, in, in our Catholic faith. Um, so that's like a whole, a whole other story, but through it all, by the grace of God, somehow through that, we, um, we're, we knew or, or were moved to be open to life. Um, even when we weren't fully you know, practicing Catholics, there was a point that we weren't really even going to church. Um, but, but we're always open to life and the babies kept coming. I'm like, wow, Lord, you, you've got a sense of humor. Somehow I think I thought if I was like obedient and open to life that he wouldn't actually give us all these kids. And now here I am. Um, I, I there's, there, I can't think of one I would send back, so it's all good. But, um, <laughs> I mean, not all the time, but, um, that's, that's an important place to, to just pause for a second. So mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you. So why, a lot of people, I, I just know when they hear that you had 10 children, they're probably going to say, why in the world would you have so many kids? Because in our world today, that's, that's not seen as normal, right? Yeah, people, right. I think, 
would judge that from a secular st- standpoint. So can you give your own reason of, of, of why you were open to having so many children? You know, I just, I think so. So it's a great question. Like it's the truth is written on our hearts and somewhere within me. Like I understood that the call and the plan for our marriage was, was greater than just, you know, unitive that it had to, had to be both, even though I couldn't have used that language, unitive and procreative. Um, We had very few examples in our life living it, but I did have one, um, my sister and brother-in-law were living it and I saw how hard it was in the struggle and yet they persevered in it. And I thought there's something here, like this is not just for, for fun and games, you know, like this is really, really hard and this is really real. And, um, and I just always felt convicted in my heart, like, at what point am I going to interrupt God's creation? You know, we're, we're participating in this marriage that we stood before God and said yes to, even if we didn't understand the fullness of that commitment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he gives us the grace, I think, truly. And if we want to look at it in a minute, it was hard. I don't want to, I don't want to mince words on that. I, there were days I prayed, months I prayed and prayed, Lord, God, please, you got to, you have to spare me this, um, you know, burden. It's difficult. To, to have a lot of kids. So that's why sure. people run away from it. But, you know, I can look back now and see how much that prepared me for suffering because we do a lot of hard things in this life, but, but we do it for the end goal of pleasure in this life. Right. Like yeah. think about working out or I don't know, lots of examples. Like we, we could suffer at the gym day in and day out for what gain. Yeah. And we're willing to do that. And so I think, you know, to do it for eternity, to do it for creation, to create a soul for all of eternity, like what could be greater? You know, it's, it's worth all the suffering in that light. And, um, and I can see how it's really, it, it's the kind of, it's the same principle in my heart about losing my children, you know, mm. and the suffering has great purpose has great victory in the Lord. He wants our victory through all of our suffering to bring us closer to him. Being union with him is the greatest victory. You know, you, you, you mentioned suffering a couple of times already. And I think that our, our, our culture, our society is not very comfortable with that world, with that word, because we're not used to, you know, hearing that. I mean, who, who wants suffering and, you know, who are you to say that, you know, I have to suffer for something or that, you know, God uh, will use my suffering and not to get into the whole theology of redemptive suffering right now. But one of the things that I wanted to focus on in your answer about why you had so many children, it seemed to me that you said something that basically said, I see me and my husband as co-creators with God, that God is the creator. He's the author of life. And you're, you and your husband are the co-creators. So you are open to the life that obviously you have to participate in, right? God yep. uses us. He says, be fruitful and multiply. But that's the very thing. God said, be fruitful and multiply. And, you know, just to uh, just give a statement to all the people out there, because I, I hear this belief that people truly believe or they think that the Catholic Church teaches that every single time a couple comes together sexually, that the purpose and the only purpose of sexual intercourse is to have a baby. And that is not 
the teaching of the church. That is that that it is that it's not it is as you said for the unitive. So the bonding of the couple. I've heard it. You said unitive and procreative, and the same thing uh, is said when you say bonding and babies. It's for the bonding of the couple and the procreation. If God sees fit at that moment. And what's so beautiful about what you just said is that you really see yourself as a co-creator. You are not the author of life. You don't say when life begins or ends. God does. And you want to be open to that. Yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do this out by my own choice. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, let me ask you a question. I mean, what is before we get into your story, and we know that tragedy struck not once, but twice, yeah. but, you know, this is not a podcast for people that have it per perfect. I mean, there's nobody, no one is perfect. There's no perfect family. There's no such thing as a perfect Catholic, okay? This is a podcast for holy messes, okay? Yes. That's, that's what this is about. So, but having such a large family, people might want to know, I mean, how does that practically work? What does that practically look like? This doesn't even necessarily have anything to do with faith. But yeah. again, we're not just all intellectual. We're, we live in the everyday. So it's got to get messy at sometimes, huh? So what is it like to have, you know, to live in a house with, with uh, at one point, 12 people? Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's chaos sometimes, you know, and I think, you know, my temperament is well suited to handle the chaos. I'm, I'm not, you know, the, the drill sergeant, um, which works for me and against me, because pr probably I would do better if I were like the master disciplinarian and could run a, a real tight ship. But I think the greatest gift I have is to be able to be present to my kids in the moments, you know, despite the ca chaos and the mess. Not that I enjoy the chaos, trust me, but um, you just, you learn to prioritize, you learn to let things go. What What is important when you have one or two kids sort of goes down the totem pole as you have more and more and more kids. Um, Cause you just can't do everything. And um, you know, I just try, it's, it's a victory of inches. I try to just find little moments that I can really connect and be present with my kids and let them know that they're loved and that I see them. And, and I think that's just the most important thing is really growing in relationship with each one of them. And wow. uh, the other stuff will kind of take care of itself or not, but <laughs> We move along. That's really powerful. You just said you want to make sure that each one of them knows that you know them and that you see them mm. and that and that you love them. Yeah. That's powerful. So you have 10 children, two in heaven, eight mm -hmm. under your roof right now, or maybe yeah. some at college. <laughs> but you make sure that each one individually knows that they are known and seen and loved. I try. I'm imperfect at it for sure, but I do try. Yeah, that's my goal. Every single parent is imperfect. Yeah. Every single parent is imperfect and every single child is imperfect. Yes. <laughs> so I thank goodness for the Blessed Mother. She she fills in what I lack, I hope and pray. Well, now, have you always been into your faith? Was your family always a quote unquote Catholic family, whatever that whatever that term means, you know? We were cradle Catholic. I was a cradle Catholic for sure. My mom made sure we went to mass every Sunday. And I just, like, I always say I'm eternally grateful for that because it, the grace that I received when, who, who knew what I would need in my life, you know, but it isn't that, um, I kind of stopped and end right there. I don't know. I, I don't want to place, my mom was awesome. I loved her. She was a great mom and I'm grateful for her. 
but um, we just, we went to mass on Sunday and that was, that was kind of it. And it was very important that we were all in like cute matching clothes and looked good, you know, like, <laughs> like that was, that was just what we did. We went to mass um, beyond that. Not so much. We had a great family and we loved each other, but. So you tell me why in uh, October of 2022, I went over your house for dinner Mm -hmm. And I ended up praying a rosary with your entire family. I had never really experienced anything like that before. Okay. I'm talking about, first of all, I wish I could show it on here. Maybe one day I'll learn how to do it. I took a picture you have on your wall, like a mantle that says the Polano family. Yeah. And then every single child's name, plus you and your husband's name. And then under their name, a rosary for each yeah. and every kid. <laughs> And I ended up praying a rosary through like every generation. There was yeah. mother-in-law was there. How old is she? She just turned 89. Okay. 89 years old. We're not going to ask how old you are. Okay. But your mother-in-law was 89 and then you were there. Okay. Let's just say middle-aged. Okay. And then on your lap was your young daughter. How old is she? My youngest is six. Okay. The six-year-old. Now, mm -hmm. To me, that was beautiful. I took a picture of that because there's a, uh, let's just say a 90-year-old woman and then a middle-aged woman and then a six-year-old. Just the three of you praying the rosary together, but it wasn't just the three of you because then you go into, around the entire room and there was a teenager, a young adult, um, your husband, uh, me, a Catholic priest. Uh, I, I think it was your brother-in-law and on and on and on and on. And I was like, this is powerful so how did you guys get to that point you just said you grew up cradle catholics and went to church and wear, wore nice stuff but then how did it get to the point where now all of a sudden you guys are doing family rosaries together yeah suffering you know my suffering brought me into relationship first with our lady because i had mm. to walk walk with her to calvary you know when my son was dying and um and from there she took me to her spouse and then to wow. God, my father, and then to Jesus. So I grew in relationship and it was the greatest desire of my heart to live for Christ. I had that moment of, you know, my son cannot come back to me, but I can get to him. And I've never looked back from that moment. And, um, and so lady, it was, it was this, the, the situation with your son. Right? That's what now, started. Can we speak to that? Can we first of all say what yeah. your son's name is? And I say Mikey. what yeah. his name what his name is and not was because he's still alive. Amen. Yes, Michael. Michael Julian Polano. We Michael. called him Mikey. Okay. He was three. He was three years old. And whatever you feel comfortable with, do you mind sharing some of your stories surrounding the situation? Sure. And how it how it brought your family together and you even closer to God and not further away. Right, right. Yes, because so like yeah, yeah, we were we were very much in that cradle Catholic, you know, sometimes going to mass, sometimes not really. Um, when he was diagnosed with a brain tumor at age three years old, and um, there was no treatment, you know, the doctors didn't offer much hope. But as a mom and a dad, you know, um, that was like unacceptable. We were just not gonna take no for, you know an answer from all of these doctors because surely this is our son and, and his health and his life should be in our control, you know? Mm. So it was really um, it just God's God, the way he works is just so incredible. And um, 
Michael got, so we, we treated him. We did the best we could. I mean, we scoured for treatments, you know, we traveled around, we did the best we could. He had surgeries, um, but he just continued to, the, the tumor grew, nothing, it didn't respond to any treatment. And after about nine months, um, well, after about four or five months of treatment, we had just the most incredible, it's a whole story in itself. I should, I would love to tell you sometime the divine mercy miracle Sunday when he died by all accounts, the doctor said he was gone. The priest came to give last rites and he died on divine mercy Sunday on Friday on, on the Friday before. Oh. And, and then, um, and then woke up later <sighs> that night. Yeah. He was, they said he was brain dead and he was, you know, in a, he was in a coma and we would have to say our goodbyes and they, you know how they say, just keep talking. We, we think they can still hear yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were all just talking to him and at a certain point he just responded. You gotta be kidding me after, after being non-responsive for how long? Um, I don't know. It was a couple hours Holy and they, cow! And they took scans and they showed us the scans and they said, no, this is all white. His whole brain is just, is just dead. Um, cause the tumor was smack in the middle of his brain stem which is responsible for all your life functions. So anyway, that was, um, it, that was through that. (laughs) Don't ask me how it's just the way God works. Right. He taught me through that, that he is God and I am not, he is in control of life and he's in control of death. And my, my hope at that moment, at that miracle turned from the creator to the creator. And that's just the, the truest thing I can say that my faith in that moment really my eyes were opened like you know i i I can't control this i can't hang on to this lord god you know you're god and i have to put my faith and trust in you wow and um and and he was faithful in that to he really spoke to me with that miracle like that was what i needed you know to really open my eyes to that and again that he is the author of life yeah not even doctors no everybody said it was the end it was the Everyone end. said he was dead and he, and he awoke. Can I ask you how much more time did you have with him after he awoke and the, that was, that miracle of divine mercy Sunday? Yeah, that was April. He died in August. Um, so, so they told you that your child was, was, was dead in April. Yep. And might've even and, been March actually. Holy it's early, it's early Easter. Yeah. Well, praise be Jesus Christ that you had those, those more months with those him. Months. Mm-hmm. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Because it was from there when my heart was open that I really, like, I cried out to Mary. And because she's the obvious choice, right? I was like, how did you walk with your son? Like, I watched my son declining and I knew what was coming, you know, barring like a, a, a crazy miracle. Um, the writing was pretty obvious to see. So it was really from there that I opened up to Mary and um, somehow she was just with me. She was so present to me. I could tell you all the amazing constellations and miracles that she sent me. Um, Did you open to Mary because she is a mother who also witnessed her child suffer and die? Is that, I don't want to put words in your, is that the reason why? Yeah, it was, it was the, the feeling in me was like, I just wanted to scream and cry and pound a wall. You know what I mean? Like what, what do I do with this? And our lady was just like, she abided, right? She, she, pondered these things in her heart and she she walked the road and and entrusted and, and so there was something in that that just screamed at me like this is the way follow my way and I was like Mary you know please teach me how to be like you in that because I just want to pound the wall <laughs> you know I think anybody would want to pound the wall without 
you know, um, obviously we want to respect your family's privacy, but is there anything that you can speak to now about how your family, I mean, your husband and, and especially your children, you know, they, they were losing their, their brother. Uh, what, what was that like? And did it bring people closer? Did it bring people further away? I mean, you're speaking to your testimony, but to your family, what, what was that experience like for you all? Yeah, it did bring us all closer together. We started going to mass like it was our job together, you know, which was really beautiful. And praying together, we prayed um, the St. Michael prayer in the memorari every day. It's my grandmother's favorite prayer. So like all some of those things that we were raised with kind of came back and meant something and, and were powerful for us. So um, so that was really beautiful. But I think it, it, it was it's really just I mean, it's age old, right? My kids are like, Mom, we did all that praying how come God still took Mikey, you know, stage old question of suffering. And so it was really hard for them. Most adults can't figure out that answer. So it it, it was just, it it was heartbreaking and difficult to try to speak that truth. I didn't have the language to speak that the the answer to them either. I was like, you know, brand new in my real faith. Yeah. Yeah. You were probably asking questions. I was. And, and the Lord, you know, as I grew in relationship was speaking the truth to my heart, but it, it took me some time to like have the language that I needed to be able to, to really share that, I guess, you know, and I'm still not that great at sharing it. How do you, how do you, because it, it, it's faith, it's faith and it's grace that gives you to know, um, you know, that God to, is God. To, why, what would you say to, to families out there that have lost a loved one um, for like, I think many people have used this um, tragedy, whatever they went through, um, to go further away from God. Would there be anything, uh, maybe something that you like, would always want to say to a grieving parent that now wants no- nothing to do with God or to a child? Or do you have any? And maybe you don't, but do you have anything that maybe could be said to give them hope that you know they're they they went further, like you went closer too, but maybe they went further away. Is there anything that you would want to say to anybody out there like that? Yeah. I don't think there's one thing that's the right answer for everybody, but you know, for me, it was like, um, it was, it was really that realization that God is God and that I am not. And it was really like the, the only way out is through, I'm not going to outrun sorrow and grief and suffering. I either, get on board with this. And, and the truth is that he works all things for good for those who love him, right? He wants us to love him. He wants us to grow in relationship with him. And when you're in relationship with him, he makes all things new. He, he brings about our victory. Like that is the goal, whether we can think that looks attractive, because I think that's the thing. Like my kids are like, well, that doesn't sound really that great. Why am I going to put everything on the line for that? Because they don't know what their, what the goal is. They don't know what they're, the reaching for and the consolation that I received through the suffering gave me to know along with grace. I don't know. I can't explain it. So much grace that that was the ultimate goal of my life. I want to get to heaven to be with my kids, but to be in union with my savior, with my God. So Mm. that's worth everything to me. Um, So until that's worth everything to you, you're going to fight kicking and screaming like a little kid, maybe. Right. Yeah. Who who wants to buck their, their, the system and buck the rules and not listen to their parents who know what's good for them. So I think there's just, it's like a deep trust and a deep surrender that this suffering is for my ultimate good. And I trust you in that Lord. And, you know, whatever you say, I'll follow wherever you lead. 
Yeah, and that's, I think, a beautiful, first of all, thank you for sharing that and your vulnerability. And, you know, as you know, I, I lost a brother and, you know, I'm not asking these questions because I want people out there to be like, well, it doesn't matter what happened in your life. You should, you know, stay close to God. No, like I was a Catholic priest when my brother died and I was angry, yeah. very angry. Intellectually, I knew that it was not God's fault, but mm -hmm. I was still very mad at him. And yeah. you know what? One of the best things that somebody told me that it's okay to be angry at God. Just make sure to communicate it with him. He can take your emotions. He can take your anger. Just don't cut the line of communication. Yeah. You know, and I think yeah. that's what happens is that we just kind of, we numb. We, 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 we maybe, you know, push him at bay. And as a Catholic priest, I, I was, why didn't you do something to stop this? You know, just in the gospel this past weekend, I saw somebody on Twitter. They were upset because they heard in the homily from the priest because the gospel had to do with persistency in prayer. So whatever um, the homily said, and I could see how people maybe preach on this, that as long as you keep praying, you're going to get what you want. Now, that is not <laughs> yeah. like, that is not what Jesus means by that. Like, <laughs> we certainly do not get everything we want, no matter how much we pray for it. Okay. Right. But nope. some, there are some people out there and maybe even some clergy that are like, well, you just got to have enough faith. You're just not praying hard enough. You don't have enough faith or whatever. And I'm not saying that I have the answer, but my mom, my dad, myself, we prayed for my brother, prayed, 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 offered sacrifices mm -hmm. after sacrifice. And did we get what we wanted? No. Nope. And so You're that's how the wrong thing, right? I mean, I don't know if it, I don't think it's a wrong thing to pray that your son or that my brother gets better. I mean, no. of course we want to pray that, that they live and, 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 and are healthy, but, and it's not to say this is the other point that I want to make. God does not cause these things to happen just to make us like get closer to him. So some people will say, you know, this suffering has been good for me, but that doesn't mean that we have a God that's like, I'm going to cause this hard, but I'm going to give this child cancer, or I'm going to give this person this heart attack because it's going to bring about another good. Can God bring good out of it? Yes, but God never, we would say he never causes evil. God never, he might allow it. We would call this his permissive will. Like he might allow it, but God does not inflict or intentionally cause an evil to happen. That's not in the nature of God. Right. Right. We live in a fallen so, world. So, you know, and uh, at a certain point, it's like, you know what? I don't know more than him. And what are, what are my options? What am I going to do? I need him now more than ever. If I don't get closer to him now, if I don't hold on to him now, then I'm going to be lost. I'm going to be the one that's dead. You know? I, so, I always say that it hurts either way. You know, you can do it with God or without God, but the, the suffering and the death is is there. So that, that, and first of all, I just want to say like, and sorry doesn't cut it, but you know, this isn't just like an interview, just like you lost a child. And I want to say like how unbelievably um, sorry I am. But your faith, the way that I sh saw you share in front of 100 or 200 people, rather, at the 20th anniversary celebration for Heart as Nails, yeah. like, you just, you were talking about these tragedies, and yet you had such, like, love and peace 
on your face. And like, it was, it really touched me, you know? And um, I, I wish that didn't have to happen for it to have brought you closer to the Lord God. And we will never know why some of these happen, things happen until we get to heaven. Right. Um, but thank you for your witness. Thank you for your yes. Thank you for your testimony. And unfortunately, it doesn't end there. Yeah. It doesn't end there because what was it? Five years later, Yep. five years later, you lost another child. Yeah, I did. And that was your oldest, our oldest daughter, Anna. Yeah. Anna. Yeah. And she was 18. 18, 18 years old at the time. She's 18. Yeah. So if you're willing, can you speak to anything of like, okay, so you went through this with your, your three-year-old, your, who I think turned four. Yeah, and yep. then you get like you know you're going through that. It brings your family closer together, and then five years later, out of nowhere, tragedy struck again. Yeah. And yet, you, I met you in 2022. You're filled with the love of God. How is that possible? It's a great question. I ask it all the time. Like, Lord, how do you? <laughs> you know, I just I, I trust Him and I love Him and I try to surrender to His will. You know, again and again, every day every day because it is i'm not superhuman <laughs> we're you know we're all just human and it hurts and it's been difficult um but he prepared me he really did by you know like i said being open to to life and and learning to trust him through that whole process of having 10 kids and then coming to know him and love him and grow in relationship with him through the loss of michael when Anna died and, um, you know, we got the call that night and went to the hospital. It was, uh, uh, I'm sorry, it was for our listeners, it was an accident? Yeah, oh, accident? sorry. Yep, she was in a car accident. Yep, she was just, in a, <sighs> it was just a freak, just a freak accident, you know. 99% of the time, someone would just walk away from that. She was going like 10 miles an hour. Um, oh, my so, gosh. Yeah, um, but we got called to the hospital and, you know, when we got there, she had already died. And um, again, I could tell you about the beautiful consolation that I had with our lady and the vision that she gave me before I knew Anna died. You Please, know, so, tell it. Tell it. Okay. So um, it's so beautiful. So she was 18 years old and we kind of had been having this war about her curfew. She's my oldest child. She's my first one. And so it was like the first night she was out without a curfew of 11 o'clock. I was pregnant with um, Olivia, our ninth child. And I would, I was used to like waiting up for her, but at 11 o'clock, I kind of was like, Oh gosh, I can't, I I'm dying. I'm so tired. You know? And I, I said, I'm not going to bother her. She, you know, the deal is she's going to college soon. She'll be home shortly in a reasonable time. Right. <laughs> like I just, Oh gosh, it's the hardest thing for a mom. I think to, to just learn to sort of let go in those ways. But I, I entrusted her to our lady and I prayed a rosary and I went to bed. That, I said, that right at 11 o'clock, I said, Look, Mary, I need you to take care of Anna because I can't. I have to let her go a little bit. And I prayed my rosary and I went to sleep. And um, and I didn't pray a rosary every day. That wasn't like usual for me. I wasn't there yet, you know. So the fact that I prayed the rosary, um, you know, it wasn't wasn't the usual. So uh, it felt like two seconds later when the phone rang, you know, and somewhere in my hazy sleep my so so bill got up and answered the phone 
but I was still kind of dreamy. And I just, I knew to get up, I, I went to my knees, I guess in prayer. I, I didn't know what was happening. I vaguely kind of heard him on the phone. Um, and before me was Our Lady. It was all dark and she kind of like her, her, her presence came into my presence and, and she had an, she had Anna with her, which I couldn't really see Anna, but I just understood that it was Anna and she let me know it was time to say goodbye. And I was. Well, hold on a second. Hold on. Yeah. I'm hearing this for the first time. Yeah. You're telling me mm-hmm. that the phone rang yeah. and that you started to get on your knees and pray mm-hmm. and that in some way, shape or form, mm-hmm. the blessed mother appeared to you mm-hmm. and Anna was with her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to. I know. I, uh, I'm I, hearing what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> All right. True story. True story. Um, and, and that you knew it, before your husband even told you that mm-hmm. it was time to say goodbye. Yeah. He never told me that she died. He didn't want to tell me because I was pregnant and he was worried about the oh, baby. And so, so, you know, I just kind of heard a vague conversation, but I didn't really hear it, you know, because I was still sleepy, but I went right into this and it was the most peaceful, serene moment. Our lady was there what better place could Anna ever be? I mean, I had just entrusted her to Mary and I was like, this is the, the most normal thing in the world in that moment that like dreamy, hazy, whatever you want to call it. And, um, and so I said, yeah, bye, Anna, you know, you're with Mary. I can't do better than that. And then they just retreated and went off. And then I kind of opened my eyes and realized where I was. And I heard Bill on the phone and, he was definitely saying something about an accident and he was saying, you know, we've got to go to the hospital. And so, you know, the humanness crept in and I'm like beside myself and hyperventilating and all the things, because I knew, I already knew, you know, that she was oh, gone from us. So, yep. So we got to the hospital and, um, and she had died. It was so interesting. Another just, I don't know. They, they had restarted her heart a couple of times during that while they, 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 she, um, you know, she had a head injury, so she yeah. was, really, she was brain dead, but, oh, um, but they, I know. Um, and you know, I, <laughs> when they walked us in to see her and it's just my beautiful girl. She was just this beautiful child who was just vibrant and alive a couple hours before. And, and here she was. And I just, I had such a choice to make in that moment, you know, it really wasn't, isn't, is no choice, but it took everything in me to say, wow, yes, Lord, I said that I love you. I said that I trust you. You've given me everything. You've brought me this far. You know, I cast my lot with you and you give, you take away, blessed be your name, you know, um, and everything that I had walked through and all the relationship that I'd grown in. Because um, of uh, the, um, the death of your son. Wow. Yeah. Ms. Michael was just, was, was the most present thing for me in that moment was the greatest truth in that moment. Um, and so I think when the suffering hurts the most, that's, that's what I do. I retreat to what is the, the very greatest truth? Like this temporal moment really stinks, you know, but, but the greatest truth is, is the truth that I acknowledged and accepted and faced in that moment that in many moments that God is my God. He is the way, the truth, and the life that, you know, victory is, is coming, that he's working out victory, no matter what it feels like right now. And I trust in that. And okay, do with me what you will. Holy cow. Now that, I mean, though, that seems like a ridiculous, and I say ridiculously, like in <laughs> yeah. a very good way, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. a ridiculously graced, graced, right? Moment. I know. Grace. I right. 
God does <laughs> stuff like that at, at tragic times. He he does things in catastrophe. I mean, you hear stories all the time of of somebody just feeling some presence or just some peace or just knowing yeah. like that. Now, even though you just shared that amazing trust and grace moment, right? Yeah. I just yeah. want to like like listeners all like that doesn't mean that like you don't miss your daughter or oh, your children. Or you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. because sometimes I think people get the sense that like, oh, just, you know, we're so people of faith. It just, you know, God does whatever and that's it. It's like, yeah. no, you're still a yeah. human being. Oh, so gosh. can I, can I ask you if you don't mind to just share of like, what happened to the family at right after that? Yeah. Like, how did you guys, the practical stuff, uh, and how did you get through it together? Well, some of it was not pretty. I wish it, I, you know, I wish I could say otherwise, but each of my kids is on their own journey to the same truth that the Lord has brought me to, you know, and I just always have to remember that and, and walk in faith with that, that they have their own sufferings. They each had a unique relationship with their sister, um, you know, and, and they've had their struggles. They're all different and they've dealt with it, coped in different ways. I can't give them my faith and I can't give them my grace. You know, they have to, they have to accept and reach out for themselves. All I can do is, you know, be present to them as much as I can and love them and hope and pray that, that I can be a bridge to, to the truth that that God wants victory for them too, you know? So, um, so they all grieved, you know, we've, we've dealt with anxiety and depression and substance abuse and, you know, maybe um, suicidal thoughts and it hasn't been pretty, but, you know, we muddle through. It's a holy mess. We keep trying and um, pray my rosary and <laughs> trust to our lady. And it, it's a victory of inches day by day. I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful. When. Victory of inches. I love that. Yeah. A victory of inches. Mm-hmm. That's power. Did you come up with that? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. Somewhere in the recesses of my brain. Yeah. Holy cow. Well, I'll tell you what. I want to hear more. This is absolutely amazing. I truly hope in the future to uh, have maybe even your whole family on someday. Yeah. Uh, I know your husband's working right now. Um, But first of all, I just want to thank you for your vulnerability, for sharing I mean, I know this was not your whole story and you have a lot more to say, um, but I just want to thank you and not so much for being on here to share your story, but like you are a witness of, of, of just the love. And I, I just had so much fun at your house with your, your family. I just, it was oh like God. just joyous to me. And your, was it your youngest daughter? The one that was like, you're amazing. Yeah, Leah, yeah. What's yeah. her name? Leah. So weird. how old is your oldest and how young is your youngest? Um, Nicole's 26. Anna would be 27, almost okay. 28, I think. Goodness gracious. In January, she would be turning 28. So I was young when I started my family. We were... How young was your youngest? Oh, six. You just six. said that, right? Yeah. So six. I had a blast. I want to come up to Syracuse again. Can't I want to hang out with you all. And I think your story needs to be, I mean, we barely, I think, scratched the surface here. You know, yeah. um, we, we barely did. And that's not a, a bad thing to keep people wanting more. But mm-hmm. to me, you're a witness of hope. I mean, I can't even begin to believe what you have gone through. And yet you're here and you're here with uh, some sense of peace. And not because you're like totally OK that you lost two children, but because of just like this grace 
that the Lord let you know that it's going to be okay, that there is more. I tell people all the time that the only thing that got me through my brother's death is the belief that this really is not the end, that there is more, that even though he's gone in this world, in this life, that I can really, truly, actually have the hope to see him again one day and to be with him for all eternity. Because he doesn't just live on in my heart. He doesn't just live on in my memories, but he actually really still lives in some other realm, some other world. And I, I want to believe that he has already, because they're a communion of saints, that he has already met your two children. Amen. That, he, that, that, that they know each other. Yeah. You know, and that they're they're celebrating in heaven, and I don't know if they're waiting for us because I heard that once you get to heaven, do you really you really think you'll miss Earth? <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, all right. Is there any one any last thing that you want to say before we sign off here? And I want to thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story. And I really believe that it's going to touch many many families, especially those where tragedy has struck. Anything you want to sign off with here? Mm-hmm. Well, just praise God, God, for his goodness and his grace. You know, my story is not for me to to keep. It's only to glorify him. So if it can do that, and thank you for, you know, your gift of awe and wonder in the Lord. It's just, it's beautiful. And um, I was moved by this podcast when I first listened and it's needed. And I know there's a lot of people that need your joy and your gift here. So thank you for we'll pray to Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and uh, we'll get into the whole heart as nails uh, thing on some other uh, episode uh, but you yeah. work for heart as nails I believe you are the finance manager is that correct I am it yep finance you are? office right here yep all right well praise God listen God bless you and thank you for coming on here and I can't wait to see you and your family again thank you father all right God love you thank you